What's good? And welcome to episode 54 of the Helmets, Hoops, and Homies podcast. I'm Matthew Garcia here with my co-host and homie, the Hoops Guru, Patrick Moore. What's good, Moore? What up, homie? How's it going? It's going good, man. How are you? Good, good. Just got finished spending a day on the couch watching some pigskin. Um, and basically a whole weekend on the couch watching sports. So feeling pretty good. Feeling re- feeling very prepared to talk about hoops and pigskin for you know two hours, two plus two plus hours. Um, I yeah. mean, it what doesn't get you? much better than that for us, right? Just watching sports all weekend. Yeah, yeah. What's what's good with you? Uh, same old, same old, man. I'm just excited to be back. It's been a minute since we were able to uh, to record an episode, so we're happy to be back. A lot has happened, and we're going to try to try to uh, talk about it as best as we could. But uh, before we get into that, let's go ahead and talk about what we're drinking today. So I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let the hoops guru go first here. All right. Well, I got a uh, I got a local brew. You'll be happy to hear, homie. Um, from Odell Brewing Company, based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, it's called a Lagerado. It's a crisp lager. and has a picture of a train going into the mountains on it. So, uh, yeah, I'll crack that open. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a, uh, a Shasta raspberry cream with a Ooh. really great uh, cream soda. So, there you go. Uh, always supporting the, the local breweries, which which we appreciate here. Love to hear that. And uh, Fort Collins, fun uh Fun town, I like it. It's a college yeah, town, it's a nice right? Town. It's mm. got a small town feel to it. I, I liked. It. I thought it was dope when I was there. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like to to visit there when we were living in Laramie. There, it's only about like an hour apart. So yeah, it's where um, uh, Colorado State's at for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't been there in a minute though. I should I should go I should go up there more often. Yeah, me neither. Um, I just don't spend much time. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're a little further. You got to drive across an entire Kansas to do that. Basically, I know, right? <laughs> It's worth uh, it, though. Yeah. It's worth it. So, All right. yeah, Should let's go em? ahead and get it popping. All right. Cheers. Salud. Salud. There we go. So, uh, what we're going to do on this show is we're going to talk about some famous 50 foes, since that's the episode number that we're on. Let's go ahead and start off with Pigskin. We had some really, uh, really iconic players here for past players. We have Randy White. Brian Erlacher, Jim Ringo, Zach Thomas, Teddy Bruschi are the big ones. Dante Hightower, uh, Melvin Ingram used to wear it as well. So we have some pretty, some pretty notable, some pretty notable players there from the past. Fred Warner also used to wear it. Um, so there's some pretty, pretty iconic players there at the linebacker position, especially. And then when we're going to the players who are currently wearing 54 in the league, we have Quan Alexander, who's a linebacker for the Steelers. We have Anthony Barr, a linebacker for the Vikings. Tyus Bowser, a linebacker for the Ravens. Levante David, who's nicknamed. We have nicknames here, homie, for NFL, finally. Uh, we have, His nicknames are Flash and Lolo. He's a linebacker for the Buccaneers. And uh, here's one that uh, we both can appreciate. Jason Pierre-Paul, JPP. He's a DE for the Saints. He just got back in the league, so congrats to him. And Bobby Wagner, who's very, very likely on his way to the Hall of Fame when he retires. A linebacker, he's back with the Seahawks this year. So those are our famous 50 foes for the NFL. Now moving over to the association. 
Uh, we got some fun ones here, especially when it comes to nicknames that I know you're really going to enjoy, my guy. So we have the legendary Kwame Brown, whose nickname is Coffee, which I did not know. Did you know that, homie? No, I didn't, yeah, know, I didn't that. know that. <laughs> so then we have uh, Horace Grant, who is very memorable for being on the, the first Bulls three-peats, uh, for weren't rocking the goggles, uh, kind of setting the trend for the new the new goggles that they wear now. Very iconic. Nickname, nicknames were The General and The Enforcer. He's also the uncle of Jeremy Grant, who plays for Portland, and he's also, of course, the twin brother of Harvey Grant, who's Jeremy Grant's dad. Uh, we have Luke Jackson, Popeye Jones, Mark Landsberger, Brad Lowhouse, whose nicknames are Big Bird, Vanilla Gorilla, and Q-Tip. <laughs> and then we have... Big Bird is good. <laughs> yeah, here we go. We have Jason Maxiel, whose nicknames were J-Max, Darkness, and The Baby Eater. <laughs> and then we have... Patrick Patterson, whose nicknames were Two Pat and Pat Pat. Howard Porter, whose nicknames were Geezer and Rainbow. Rodney Rogers, Brian Skinner, whose nickname was B Skin. Charles Smith, whose nickname was Mr. Fluid. Robert Trailer, Robert Taylor, excuse me, whose nickname was Tractor Trailer. Actually, I believe it's Robert Trailer. I think it's a typo. My bad. Nickname was Tractor Trailer. Um Melvin Turpin, here we go, my guy. His nicknames are Dinner Bell, El Dipper, El Mel, El Mucho Grande, Meal Man, Turp, and The Great Pumpkin. Wow. What a yeah. lineup. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Chris Wilcox is, is going to round out the former uh, Hoopers who wore 54. And then there's only one currently wearing it, and that is... Uh, Sandro Mamukelashvili, who is playing for the Spurs currently. And those are our notable 50 foes. Uh, your thoughts, homie? Wow, pretty star-studded, especially when you take into account uh, the nicknames there. Um, but yeah, like lots of Hall of Fame win it, uh, Hall of Fame worthy linebackers. Um, you know, some good uh, NBA role players there um, mixed in there, uh, which is good. Um, so yeah, good, good group of guys. Um, too bad it hasn't made the comeback in the NBA yet. Maybe it will soon. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess for, uh, hoops, the best player to ever wear it currently, I guess is, what would you say? Only Horace Grant probably. Probably. I mean, he was also good. Um, he was good on the Shaq teams too. The Shaq Orlando. Yeah. Shaq when he left Orlando. in free agency, yeah, he was a really good player. I mean, he was never, I don't no. think he was ever as good as he was with the Bulls, but no. when he left for the Magic, but I mean, he was still a really good player. He was a really uh, good contributor on a lot of teams. So I'd say he's probably the best, but yeah, those, those nicknames are dope. Some of the, yeah. I think some of the best we've ever had in terms of like all at one time with one number. It's right up there. Kwame then, Brown might um, be considered like the biggest bust in the NBA <laughs> or one of uh, them. I don't, I don't, I don't really agree with that. I mean, guy played twelve years in the league. You know what I mean? You can't be. I mean, I guess if you're thinking about, he went number one. Did he? Did he? Was he a number one? Should he have gone number one? No, but he did play over a decade yeah, at least in the league. Played, that's not. Right? That's that's nothing to. You know what I mean? To sneeze on. Yeah, it's just right after him in the draft. Number two was Tyson Chandler. Who, if you wanted a center, 
That was a better yeah, bet. Yeah, who was much and better, then, yeah. And, and then three was Pau Gasol. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, damn. So you had Tyson Chandler, who's a, a great defensive center. He was on a title team with Dallas. And then you had a Hall of Famer. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I just, I do I do think he gets a bad rap though. Like I just at think least it's, he, it's at least he actually like too much. stuck around in the league. There's number one picks who just like couldn't even stay for oh, yeah. like two or Absolutely. three years. Like remember Anthony Bennett, the guy the Cavs took. Yeah, um, I mean there's yeah. so many. I think there's other more egregious examples. I think of players who just didn't live up to their potential as number one picks. But he, yeah. uh, and we all know why. There was a, a certain person in our Hall of Slime who's been perpetuating that. So, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah. So those are our famous 50 foes. And now we're going to move on to uh, a fun segment that the Hoops Guru thought of. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it on over to him. Yeah, so this this segment is basically, uh, I was really, really creative with the title. We're going to call it Pleasant Surprises and Disappointments. So (laughs) got really creative with that title there. Um, We'll start with the NFL, though. And basically, we're going to do it for both leagues and the... um, the prompt is give your uh, most pleasant surprise, and it can be um, a player, it can be a coach, it can be an owner, it can be a rule change, it could be um, you know something that you know makes you know whatever the sport better. Um, so we're gonna do that both for the NFL and the NBA, and then disappointment. Obviously, um, I think we all know what that means. It's something you were having high hopes of going into the season, and um, you know, has not lived up to the hype. So we'll start with pigskin since it's a Sunday. Uh, as we record, we're recording through the Green Bay, Kansas City uh, pigskin game. So if a bunch of slime ball stuff happens in this game, uh, we're just not sh- shouting it out because, uh, you know, we're, we're recording during the game. So, um, but yeah, let's start with pigskin, homie. And I want you to kick us off. Let's start with our disappointments first. So who, who's been, what is what or who has been your disappointment of the NFL season thus far? Yeah, I think, I think in the grand scheme of things, I, I thought about this in terms of a team that I thought was going to be a playoff team. And they are teetering right now on the cusp of that. They could go either way. But uh, there were some other options, but I just feel like some of the teams that we thought were going to be bad have been, you know, either slightly better or bad. So it's not really that much of a disappointment per se, but I was between two teams, but I went with the, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I had to kind of, I had to do it. So I I just think this team feels like they're at a crossroads right now. I mean, like they just really need to figure out what's going to happen. And I think, the way the season's going, even if they were to make the playoffs as a lower seed, because I don't think they're going to win a division. There's just no way. They're currently sitting at six and six. I don't see any way that they catch Miami, who's nine and three. It's just not going to happen. And I had, uh, we had, we both had them in the playoffs. I know you had them winning division. I had them, you know, making the playoffs, but Miami winning the division. But I even said, I remember of saying Miami's going to win, but it won't be by more than a game or two. And yeah, it's going to be more than a game or two, I would guess. But, I mean, it's just been a disaster on every front, you know, off off the field, on the field, the coaching situation where Ken Dorsey got fired, uh, which I feel like he got scapegoated. Uh, Leslie Frazier, who we both thought was doing a very poor job, was, uh, he's I guess he's semi-retired, I'm not really sure, but pretty much he got pushed out. And, uh, I mean, all, all everything's all landing on Sean McDermott's lap right now. 
So, I mean, what are we going to do? Right? I feel like he's on, he's on an extremely hot seat that's, you know, being overshadowed by other things, other coaches, but he's, he's right there. And I think that he's coaching for his job right now. I think if Buffalo misses the playoffs, I think he's gone. And even if they do make the playoffs and lose in the first round, we had talked about this the last couple of years. They've always they've been underachieving consistently to me. And I think that it's just he's a good coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. I just don't think he's the type of coach that's gonna put them over the top here. I just don't see it. I think they need a different voice in there. I think they need a, an offensive coach to work with Allen, a more creative one. And also I think uh Brandon Bean needs to understand that you have to have more than on one number one receiver. You have to have a really, really reliable number two. And they don't really have that. Like we talked about that there was options to pick up veterans and they just didn't even try to get them. Like you see what Baltimore did. Beckham's been banged up like he usually is, unfortunately for him. But I mean, when he's been out there, even if he's not making a lot of catches, he's having an impact because teams have to have to uh, honor what he can do. Because he can, while he's not the same Odo Beckham he was in his prime with the Giants, he's still can burn you if you if you you know take him lightly and i think that's that's something that you can't really you can't really put a price on per se and you also can't think about how valuable it is to a quarterback and i think we're seeing that the ravens are kind of reaping the benefits of that so i think that they were they would have been smart to look at adding another receiver and they just didn't do it um so i mean i think that's that's to their detriment and i think that it's going to be Something they need to address in the off season, but it's just a very disappointing team to me. I just think six and six, and some of their losses are bad losses. The Broncos loss last week was a bad loss. the 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 first game of the year, the Jets loss was it off. That was that was a tailor made win for you. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in the first game of the year. He's presumably out for the year. We don't know, but um, and Josh Allen was terrible in that game. He's been. I, he's been uh, more bad than good this year. We both believe in his talent. I think he's an elite quarterback. You can definitely win the Super Bowl with him, I think, if you have the right pieces around him. But he's regressed this year. And to me, that that falls on Sean McDermott. You're the head coach. They gave him an extension in the offseason, which makes no sense to me. I don't know what he's done to earn an extension. I don't think he... I wasn't, we weren't here campaigning like, oh, maybe, I mean, we thought that maybe they should move on, but we weren't saying like, oh, if you bring them back, you're, you're a fool. But we thought, you know what, maybe it's time to switch things up. There were options out there that, uh, there were offensive guys out there that were available. We'll see what happens this off season. There's going to be some more names out there that are pretty decorated, but overall, it's been a terrible season for Buffalo. And even if they make the playoffs, which... Uh, it's going to be tough for them. they got a tough schedule going forward still. Uh, I don't have any confidence in them to even win the game. But, I mean, you never know what could happen in this football. But the Buffalo Bills had to be my biggest disappointment. I think they're disappointing to pretty much everybody. I think that Super Bowl window is as close to close as it could possibly get without being completely shut at this point. And we'll see what happens when they retool next year. Yeah, I mean, with them, it's just... It, they, there's been it's some of that's some of it has been like you know self-imposed you know some of it has been like bad injury luck um you know they just they always seem to have a key member of their defense like hurt by the time the playoffs come around 
they seem to they really don't seem to try at all to invest in any kind of a, like power running game um, with the running backs. Like Allen gets a lot of carries as he should, but um, I wouldn't mind seeing them try to run the ball just a little more. They kind of feel like a lot of nights they're a seventy thirty passing team, which you know can put you in a lot of trouble. Um, you know if you if, if you're you, you can't hold leads a lot of the time. Um, you know you, you're more tur- turnover prone, so. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a step back. I mean, like ever since they made that AFC championship game against the chiefs, um, back in 2020, they, uh, they've been going downhill. They've been, they've been, um, on their way down. They, um, you know, played Kansas city again in the playoffs and lost, lost last, um, playoffs to the Bengals. They were 13 and three last season. So the record was good, but really disappointing um playoffs you you remember they barely um skated by the dolphins without Tua i can't even remember who was playing quarterback for the it's dolphins Tyler in that Thompson series. i think he's a third, he was a third string right. quarterback yeah that was the dude's name and then they got smoked by the Bengals in the second round like it was at home in the snow yeah yeah at home in the snow where you should be able to play They're absolutely um, yeah but yeah so it it's been it's been a series of disappointments. The coaching changes have been very strange. Like obviously Leslie Frazier, I think it was time for him to go um, just with how their defenses had not been living up to how much they're drafting. Like they're spending most of their first round picks on defensive players the last five, six years where they're drafting, who they're, where they're paying guys. Um, it's been a lot more focused on the defense McDermott's supposed to be a defensive coach and it's been their offense carrying them basically um, most of these seasons. And it's been the defense kind of letting them down, uh, you know, basically besides that last loss to the Bengals where the the offense really, um, really, really let them down. But I don't know. It's just, they haven't been living up to the talent on the roster. And so I think, unless like a miracle happens and they make the playoffs and they get to the championship game again, I think McDermott's going to be out. I think a whole new coaching staff is going to be brought in to, to coach the bills. So um, yeah, that's been a huge disappointment. Um, You know, I thought, you know, I I wouldn't have been shocked uh, obviously if the, the dolphins win the game, Um, but or, or or win the division, excuse me. But um, you know, I thought the Bills would at least be competitive for a wild card spot. Which right now they're they're at the bottom of a list of teams trying to vie for you know that seventh wild card spot in the AFC. So um, yeah, they they've got to turn things around if they even want to make the playoffs. And um, you know, even if they do, I don't see them having much of a shot to. Uh, to basically even do much. I mean, I, I can't see them getting by a team like Kansas city right now or, or even the dolphins for that matter. So um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where um, it feels like a drastic change needs to happen in order for them to, in order, in order to keep going. I think coaching is the, the most obvious change. You have the quarterback, um, you know, you have some pieces on both sides of the ball, good players. You're getting a little old, but um, hopefully a, a different a different coach could come in and maybe try to turn things around there in Buffalo.
Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah, so it was between the Bills. I, I would say probably they they this might the one I'm gonna say here is probably gonna be more my backup. I do think the Bills are most disappointing just because I, I did have higher hopes for them in terms of going to the Super Bowl coming into this season if I thought if they could stay healthy. Um and it, it obviously has not panned out that way. But obviously if we're talking about teams that were in the playoffs and this year don't look like they're going to make it, the New York Giants, it's hard to be any more disappointed with this season than, than I have so far. I mean, it's, it's one of those, I don't know, this just feels like a classic Giants thing over the last 10 years is you get a little bit of success, get your hopes up, um, and you know you try to improve the team, and then someone goes out and and, you know, the team goes out and spends money and then doesn't spend it on the right pieces. It's been this over and over again. Um, and yeah, that's that's the case with this Giants team. They've been an, an they I mean, recently it's been a, a little better, but they were an abject disaster for the first, I'd say, um, eight, nine games of the season. They, they were just horrific. Um, the offense particularly was just unfathomable unfathomably bad like so 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 bad um you know could could barely score three six points against the elite teams in their conference so um they gave daniel jones a basically a uh what was it a four-year 160 million dollar contract that in in reality is more like a two year, $80 million contract. Cause they can get, he's, he's out of guaranteed money after next season. Um, but still they paid him big. Um, they went out and paid money for Bobby Okariki, their linebacker. Um, you know, they, they made some kind of more win now moves. What they didn't do was address one of the worst offensive lines in football. 
Um, and it's, it's embarrassing how bad they've been on the O line. It's embarrassing how weak their receiver group is. Um, I don't think Daniel Jones is a bad player. I think he's probably at best a solid starter, which is what he, he kind of showed last year. But, um, you know, I just feel like if this might not be, you know, the, the, and the other disappointing thing is, is they were so bad and now they're winning games and like b- bumping themselves down the draft order in a draft with two, two guys at the top who are supposed to be like almost no brainers. If you listen to, to the, the analysts. Now I always listen to the draft analysts with a healthy bit of skepticism because no one ever gets it all right. Um, but you know, it may and Williams are supposed to both supposed to be like pretty proven quarterbacks who are going to come in and, and be good and not going to be giant busts. So, you know, on top of that, they're, they're they might not even be in good position to, to draft a good quarterback. And, uh, you know, I don't know it to be fair. They need help everywhere. You know, they, they have talent gaps at every, basically every position. Don't know if you're getting Saquon back, you know, there, there's just a lot. So, um, the Giants have been, yeah, definitely by far the, uh, the biggest disappointment. Um, looked like Dable worked magic that first year, and now it seems like everyone's kind of on to him. Um, and they they know how to play this Giants offense, um, and they don't have much variety, so it's hard it's hard to win games like that. But um, yeah, I know, homie, you, you're also a uh, a, a G man fan, so you know, have you, what have you seen from the Giants this year? And are you as disappointed as I am? Yeah, right. Yeah. Mhm. Yep. Yep. And they almost lost that one too. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, things are not good on the New York side. Um, and I don't know which is more depressing. Um, and, and like watching both of those offenses, especially, it was really bad. It, they were like opposite, basically. Like the Jets have good skill guys at the skill position, um, just no, nothing at quarterback. Um, and the Giants, you know, not that Jones had a good season by any means, but he's certainly better than Zach Wilson. I think we can both both agree on that. Um, but he had no, not really any weapons to work with. Right. And so it's just like, I don't know, both just pathetic offenses, really disappointing seasons. Um, it looked like both, both had high hopes for, for this season. It's been an absolute bust. So, um, yeah, really for all three New York teams, disaster. No. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I I could see that. Yeah, I I could see it. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. There's a lot of things where I'm like, well, maybe if they did that differently, or if they can fix this, will they be better? But it's hard for me to know if this season, if last season's the fluke, or if this season's the fluke, or if both of them. It's it's neither. Maybe it's somewhere in between. Like I just I don't know where my expectations should be with the with the giants right now, you know, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, not great, not great. The only good thing coming out of New York right now, 
and not even technically New York, but New Jersey is uh, Tommy DeVito. So, you know, that's the only, only good thing going, really. Yeah, Tommy Cutlet. So, um, yeah, so so two huge disappointments in the Bills and the Giants. Um, why don't we move forward to, um, you know, the sunnier side of the pasture, um, what are, what are, what's your most pleasant surprise this season in the NFL, Matt? Those are winnable, yeah. I got it here, homie. It's uh, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. So they got two more against the Titans, a Jets team, Colts, and the Browns. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Browns. Eh. It could be tough. Yeah. The, the the Colts, which is winnable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's been it's and and you know, especially coming out of uh 
a conference we just thought was going to be God awful. Right. You know, like who, who was expecting the, you know, I thought the I, I thought you were the division, excuse me. Yeah. I thought the, um, you know, I thought this was going to be the Jags and everyone else was going to be bad. Um, so I think it's just, yeah. Like, it's like, Whoa, Houston's pretty good. Whoa. Indy's pretty good. Jags are still good. Like the, we thought the AFC was going to be strong, but not, not, not from that conference. Right. Like, that's not where people expected, I think, the talent to come from. And that's where where a lot of it's been. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Texans have been a really nice surprise. Um, honestly, they could be even better just because if you, if you look at their, their actual losses, a lot of them are very, very close and, like, in the last minute or two. Um, so I was actually watching them play the – Broncos today, a game they they won by the way. Um but they they lost the Jaguars very close, 24 to 21. They lost to the Panthers, which seems insane to me. But uh they lost to them 15-13. They lost to the Falcons 21-19. So those are like three very close losses. So um yeah, they just look like they've got it going on uh on offense. The defense is, you know, not great, but for a young team, you see some signs that Will Anderson pick looks pretty good. He he lo- he really stands out on an NFL field. I'm sure he'll get better. So, um, yeah, Houston is a pleasant surprise. Yeah, not, obviously not excluding or or not including you know the slimy owner. Besides, um, but you know, let's be honest. Most of these teams have slimy owners, right? We got to kind of you know you got to kind of put that aside when when talking about you know teams. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I mean, yeah, just like that for in ter, yeah, in terms of expectation versus what they've put on the field and we're I mean, we're 10 games into the season. We're two we're two thirds through damn near. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's I I'm just trying to think of the other teams like, you know, like Dan Campbell will probably get some love, you know. Um, but yeah, I they they've been really surprising and just yeah Stroud just looks so comfortable. Um, I mean, it's not like he has the most loaded receivers. He does have a good left tackle, which like one thing they actually did right is they didn't give away Laramie Tunsil. They they kept him. Um, they traded a lot to get him from uh, Miami a few years ago, but they kept him. So you got Stroud coming in with one of the better left tackles in football. Um, you know, able to play. And, you know, I, I didn't think much of this, you know, receiver talent, but they've been a revelation. Like Nico, uh, Nico Collins, as you mentioned, he's been a stud. I mean, he's in the tops of the league and receiving yardage. So um, it's just been cool to watch it. I, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's always fun when it, uh, you know, in the, in the first five weeks of the season, there's like eight teams, right. Where you're like, Whoa, is this real or not? And it's like six of them. It's not real. <laughs> it's like, they stink. Uh, you know, and the, the first couple of games of the season are so skewed. Um, so, it, you know, I was kind of expecting Houston to fall back down to earth, but they've been playing really well. So, yeah, D'Amico Ryans is definitely front runner for that Coach of the Year award just uh, just just because they're in it, um, you know. So, yeah. Oh, damn, really? That's tough. Oh, they won the head-to-head. 
Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you know, that 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 was actually my my pick too was definitely the Houston Texans just um yeah, they've they've been kind of the most surprising team, but I mean, maybe we can, you know, as a backup, I can go with because I was also considering their their divisional rivals, the Colts, who are also seven to five and and above them currently in the seven seed. They've been a a pleasant surprise. Um, it altogether as a whole, I'd say the reason being they're playing competitive right now, um, which shows that they've got either good coaching or good players or both, right? Like they're seven and five. Um, they've they've beat good teams. They beat the Ravens. They beat the Texans. Um, they, they, they've beaten a bunch of bad teams too. Uh, I'm just looking at their schedule. It's been, it's been, I'd say pretty easy, but, um, they, they also saw some real nice flashes out of their, their first round quarterback, um, in, uh, Anthony Richardson in those first four weeks. Now, of course there's the, the disappointment is that he, he, he was out the rest of the season, um, but yeah, they saw some real good output, like saw, saw that he could really run an offense, um, play winning football, um, which is, I mean, probably the best news you could have ever as an NFL team. Like our first, our top five draft pick quarterback was worth it, <laughs> right? Like that's the best thing that can happen to a football team. So it lo- it's still early, but it looks like he's, he was a win. It looks like they got a competitive team. I think their new coach, um, is it Steichen? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's been pretty good. He's he's been putting that team in the right positions. They've got some talent on the defensive side of the football. So um I'm gonna go with the the yeah, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, the other the other thing is, you know, I you know, I don't I'm not a big Ursay guy. I think he's a slime ball, but you know, we had the series of running back holdouts right but throughout the um kind of throughout training camp this year Saquon Josh Jacobs um and Jonathan Taylor three top running backs from you know basically up for contracts who got um franchise tagged and weren't given long deals the Colts are the only ones who ended up giving you know giving their their guy the long deal. Um Jonathan Taylor got a pretty good contract, you know, probably not what he wanted, but I'd say pretty good for for a running back. He got a 3-year, 42 million dollar extension um with 20 26.5 guaranteed in this day and age if you're a running back. That's pretty good. Um so, you know, they've they've still got one of the better running backs in the league under contract. Um, maybe paying him more than they want to, but they're paying. They're going to be paying a rookie quarterback for the next couple of years, um, or a rookie quarterback contract for the next couple of years. So, um, I'd say they're they're looking pretty good moving forward. Um, but what do you what do you think, homie?
<laughs> yeah. And it was it was just an interim it was just an interim position. It was like Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. The 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 AFC, we could we could sum up by saying AFC South pleasant surprise. That's kind of been the punching bag of the AFC for like I'd say a good 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 chunk of the last decade at least, um especially since you know basically since Peyton, you know, the Colts had like a vice grip on that on that division for so long. Um between Manning and then going right into Andrew Luck, like they just won it every year. Um so yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's, that's, that concludes the pigskin side of our pleasant surprises and disappointments. Anything else you want to cover pigskin wise before we move on, homie? Okay, sounds good. So we're going to do the same thing just with, with hoops and, and picking some basketball ones. Um, since you've dubbed me the hoops guru, I can, I can go first on this one. Um, this is, uh, we'll start again with the disappointments. Um, there's a lot of ones you could choose for this um, in the NBA. It's still early, so it's, it's, you know, it's easy to make kind of like uh, make a lot out of a small sample size, but what I will go with so far is um, uh, Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs have been my disappointment of the season. Um, they were a very trendy, I'd say, NBA Twitter nerd pick to be like pretty good. Like, oh, could they compete for like a nine or a ten seed? Like, is Wembanyama that generational? Um, you know, like, can 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 they be super competitive? You know, not not remembering they were the worst defensive team in history last year. I mean, they were literally had the worst points per game of any game in the history of the NBA. Um, they gave up 120 points per game. Um, so you know, I think first asking a rookie center who is 19 years old to take you from the worst NBA in history 
to a pretty good or or worst defense in NBA history to a pretty good defense was not realistic. Um, But still, I think it's been underwhelming what I've seen from him. And, and honestly, I'm, and this might sound not sound like it, but I'm not really knocking him. I don't like the way he's been used. Um, I don't like the position he's being put in where he's having to like basically create all of his own offense. Um, He, he, he just like has to basically get the ball in the perimeter and attack the, the paint. He's taking a lot of jumpers. He's not been hitting those shots at all. Even though the, the stroke, I will say the stroke looks pretty good. Um, but he's, he's not making those shots right now. And maybe it's because of the strength, the length of the NBA compared to the French league. It could be again, he's 19, (laughs) um, you know, like he's, he's still young, but, um, I, I just, they need to put him in better, um, positions to succeed. I mean, the guy is a seven, six alien, like get him the ball in the paint. He doesn't have to post anyone up. He doesn't He's like got so much vertical threat that if you can just get in the paint and throw the ball up, he's going to catch it. And they're not using him in the paint. He's he's getting the ball basically at the elbow or further out every time. I don't get that. Um, I know he's not like the strongest guy right now, but he has the kind of length where you just want him around the basket. He can get so many tip-ins, offensive rebounds, um, you know, easy, easy buckets that way. Um and I, I get wanting to like see does he have the other stuff like we don't want to put any you know put it put any limits on him right now but um, I think it's better for a player's development to develop confidence and to have them do what they're good at to begin with and and grow throughout right like you don't want to shatter someone's confidence by being like hey you should try playing point guard as a seven foot six player. And like, you know, they get, they don't do well. And all of a sudden it's like, damn, am I not really good at basketball? And it gets in their head. I just think, give them a real point guard. Enough of this Jeremy Sohan point guard nonsense. It's, it's disgusting. I mean, I don't know if you've watched much of the Spurs this season, homie, but like that offense is unwatchable. Um, Except when like women, Yama goes on a burner. That's the only time. And, and they have good pieces like Keldon Johnson's a fine player. Devin Vassell's a fine player offensively um, pretty good. So they just need to like, add a little more structure to what they're doing. You can't have Jeremy Sohan running point, move him to the bench. If you want him to learn how to be a point guard, move him to the bench, let him cook weaker units, bring Trey Jones, who's a proven point guard with like a six to one assist to turnover ratio. Just let him get your scores in the right spot and at least let those guys develop chemistry and look, you know, understand what it looks like to succeed in an NBA offense rather than just forcing Wembenyama the ball and letting him try to cross guys up and, you know, face guys up from the three point line and take step back jumpers. Like I, I just don't, I don't, it, it's just, it's ugly basketball, um, which is really disappointing from a Popovich team, you know, say what you will about the guy, like his teams played good team basketball. Like they shared the ball, they passed the rock, they had flow. Um, now those were a very smart veteran teams. This is a very different situation, but I don't even see him trying to mimic that. And that's what's kind of disappointing for me. So um, yeah, San Antonio Spurs and Victor Wembanyama's um, tough start would be um, it, my disappointment. And just, just to give you a sense, his field goal percentage right now is 43.7. He's 27% from three. He's 83% free throw. So you know the kid 
he he has shooting touch. He's he's making his free throws. Um, but 19 points, 9.7 rebounds, 2.7 blocks. I mean, he's there numbers wise, but their team is terrible, and I just don't really feel like he's even put, being put in the best situation to succeed by Popovich and this Spurs coaching staff. So that's that's my biggest disappointment. Did I think they were going to be a playing team? No. Did I think they'd be better than this, though? Yes. Um, they're one of many very disappointing teams, I'll say, this um, this November um, in the NBA, um, just through November, I should say. So, um, yeah, the, the San Antonio Spurs, biggest disappointment. Um, what about you, homie? What's, what's been your biggest disappointment thus far of the NBA season? Yeah, since Kawhi left, right? That would. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Laid back, yeah. Yeah, I.
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, looking at the roster, I think it's just because, you know, like, you know, every, me, like a lot of people kind of bought into the Wembenyama hype. Not saying that the Spurs were going to be good, but I feel like I was expecting him to have a good season and to have good numbers, like kind of like Paolo did last year, right? And people would be like, oh, wow, like if they can surround this guy, like they found the guy. Now you've got to surround him with talent. Um but if you look at the Spurs roster, like it's probably the worst in the NBA outside of Wembenyama. If you're looking at spots two through fifteen, I think it's the worst. I think like by a pretty wide margin, it's the worst roster in the NBA. And that's no offense to Devin Vassell, but he's like to me, he's like a good, he's like a role playing on a good team, maybe um, not like your number two guy, right? Um, and yeah, I just. The, the other young pieces, Zach Collins, Sohan, um, you know, even Keldon Johnson to an extent, like I still don't really know what they are. So um, that's just the thing. Like they, they have some guys who could be good, but um, I don't know. It's just been kind of a mess so far. Like they're, they've been hard to watch. The offense has been really ugly. The defense is still terrible, even with Weminyama. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, homie, uh, final thoughts, and then let us know your uh, your disappointment. Yeah. 
کرد
No, I, I expected them to be feisty. You know, like I, I didn't think they were gonna like you. You know, I have real, I had realistic expectations. Like they'd look better. They would not make a play in or a playoff. Maybe a play in is like a ten seed, but you know, we're not going to be any better than number ten in the East. Um, but yeah, I thought they would at least like show some development and stuff. Um, and yeah, like this roster just doesn't make any sense to me at all. They, they drafted guys who are best suited as lead ball handlers in basically three straight drafts before Osar Thompson. Um, they, they, they took, um, you know, Hayes, Cunningham, then Ivy. Um, they have accumulated big men who can't, most of whom can't shoot uh, for some reason. A beef stew, Isaiah Stewart being the only one who has a legitimate stroke at all. Um, they have a good center in in Duran who I like. Um, you know, I I don't. Yeah, he's he's still young and you know still learning defense. But I mean, Cade, I will say. Cade has been disappointing um, for for me. Um, I thought he showed a lot of promise at the end of his rookie year. I thought he he really made a nice push towards the end of that. Obviously, last season was a wash with the with the injury. But the the thing to me, I knew he wasn't going to be the most athletic guy. I thought he had great shoot. I thought he was going to be a great shooter. I thought he was going to be a really good shooter in, in college. He was he was almost like a fifty forty eighty guy. Um, but he's been for his, for the regular season, he's 41.6% overall, 35% from three, 89% from free throw for his career. He's 41.6 from field goal, 31.8 from three. So those jump shots that, you know, he's kind of living on cause he's not quite like a get to the rim kind of guy on every possession. Um, that they're just not falling. Um, and he's still, he's passing the ball. Well, he still rebounds well for a guy, his size, he can play good defense when he's locked in. Haven't necessarily seen a ton of that, but he is also the lead ball handler. So I get it. Um, but he, he just hasn't had the kind of jump I was hoping for to start this season. And he has been coming on a little bit better lately, like shooting the ball better, um, the last 10 games. Um, but still overall a disappointing season for him. Um, can I, can I share the starting lineup, the, their most recent starting lineup, homie? Um, Killian Hayes at point guard, Jaden Ivy also at point guard, Killian Cunningham also at point guard, and then two centers in Duran and Isaiah Stewart. So he played literally three point guards and two centers. And and beef stew, I get it. You can put him as a four. You can't stop. Why are you playing those three got the guards together so much? It's it's he's got this weird obsession. Killian Hayes played thirty three minutes, second most on that team. He's got a weird obsession with Killian Hayes. And I, yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, I, I don't either. And like, especially now with Sasser playing well, um, playing pretty well as a spark plug off the bench. Um, I, I don't get it. Now, he, he's a really good defender. He's big for a guard spot, right? He can rebound. He, you know, he's, he's, he, he gets a lot of steals. But if you're invested in this Cunningham Ivy thing, um, you got to go with that. And you, and yeah, you can't, you can't sign Hayes to an extension. Um, this, yeah, good. Especially he can't shoot. You, you need, you got to start having some players who can shoot the ball on the team. Now they have they have um Bojan Bogdanovic who's a, who's an excellent shooter and an excellent scorer. Monty did not start him last game for some reason, which I think will would really help that first unit to have a, a knockdown shooter like him on there. Um but yeah, it's just they have too many pieces that don't work together. I think they need to make a trade. Um and I know it's early and they they're not trying to be great, but you got to start like figuring out what you have. Like you said, Matt, it's not like you're trying to make the playoffs this year. That's fine. But you got to, you got to figure out if what you have is worth building around. And that means like not playing these stupid wonky three point guard lineups, like get a regular rotation, make the team look like a regular NBA team with point guard, shooting guards, forwards, and a center, you know, not all this four point guards, five center bullshit. Like start, start building a real team around these guys. So you can see what it looks like. Um, that that's my biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Look at that. Yeah. The this is the players on their team they have, homie, who are terrible three point shooters. Not just like bad, like terrible. Jalen Duran, which is fine. That's not his role, right? Um, Killian Hayes, who's a guard. He should not shoot like 27% on three. Uh, Marvin Bagley, terrible. Um, Asar Thompson, awful. And James Wiseman, awful. They have like six young guys who cannot stretch the floor in any capacity and are like not threats to shoot the ball. You got to consolidate. You can't do that in this day, day and age. And like all of those players, like on their merits, are valuable, but not together, right? Like not together. You gotta, you gotta consolidate here. And you know, maybe you get in the running for a Zach Levine, right? Like a guy who can stroke it, who can play off ball, um, whose contract you can take on because, like, 
you know, you, you, you have a pretty cheap team right now. It's very young. So, you know, I would say like, you know, looking to ask the bulls if they're interested in Bogdanovich or some of your young guys, one of those guys, but I just think they got to make a move and, and make a team that makes sense put a team out there. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think I think they need to start. And, and right, like all these guys are coming up on 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 contract extensions. Um, Bagley, well, Bagley they signed to small extension, but he'll be up again soon. Um, Bogdanovich, um, Wiseman, yep, like Cunningham, Ivy, as you already said. Like these guys are 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 getting. I want to get paid, so. And you can't you can't pay all of them. It, it, the team doesn't make sense. So start moving, grooving, take on some, you know, take maybe go for a bigger contract. You can, you have the room to absorb that, especially if you can ship out those those expiring deals. So yeah, I'd say go for it. Um, should we should we move on to our pleasant surprises, homie? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Look on the look on the bright side, right, homie? Um, okay, I'll, I'll kick this one off. Um, there are a lot, honestly, here you can choose from. I'd say this this year, um, especially how early we are in the season. Um, but I am going to go and and the way I kind of did these is I picked both a player and a team. Like I picked, um, you know, Wemby and the Spurs, and I don't know why I did it that way. That's just how I wanted to do it. But um, for this one, I did uh, Jalen Suggs and the Orlando Magic. Um, so the Magic are currently sitting first in the Southeast Division in the Eastern Conference. They're fourteen and six above Miami. Um, and Atlanta, Charlotte, and Washington. Um, they are winning with defense. They're one of the top five defenses in the NBA. Um, and they are winning with like hustle um, and like kind of that gritty stuff. They're definitely not a finesse team. They're, they're a power. They're a speed team. They bring a lot of length and a lot of speed at every position. Um, and they're getting great, great play from their bench. But um, I was really pumped just to see uh, Jalen Suggs have the start of this season that he has because I thought that the um, the Magic's backcourt depth was just an absolute mess just because they had like a couple guys who couldn't shoot in Fultz and Suggs. Um, they just drafted Anthony Black, who's another guy not known to have a great jumper um, around guys like Wagner, who's a who's a good good decent shooter, solid probably at best. Uh, Bancaro, who's not really the best jump shooter, um, but Suggs was the big one because his entire game I felt like predicated on having a respectable jumper, and I feel like he's finally been able to um, become a winning player in the NBA um, with great defense and just respectable enough shooting that that people are 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 going to take you as a threat. So this season um Suggs is scoring 12.8 points a game, which is fine, you know. That's that's in about 27 minutes. Um 1.9 steals, so he's got like two steals a game, 2.7 assists, 3.6 rebounds. He's shooting 45% for field goal. Not great, but not terrible. Um 36.9, so basically 37 from 3 very respectable and shooting well from the free throw line, which is really encouraging as well. Um, 81.5%. So his shooting looks like it's improved. He's a menace defensively in transition as an offensive player as well. Um, he's really just a great energy guy. Um, so he's, he's been a great addition to their backcourt. They play him alongside Cole Anthony. They play him alongside Anthony Black um, and Paolo. Um, they, he, he's finally moved into the starting lineup for the Magic, um, which I think uh, is, is great because he was coming off the bench most of last year. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of um, they're, they're really off to a great start. Caro and Wagner have looked good as everyone kind of expected them to. Um, They're also surviving some injuries. Um, They haven't had Gary Harris for a ton of games, who's probably the best shooter on that team. Um, He's only played, let's see, uh, well, 15 games. So he's played a good number of them. Um, But 
they uh, have been missing Wendell Carter Jr. for a number of games. Moritz Wagner and Goga Batazzi have stepped up. Um, Jonathan Isaac has given him good minutes off the bench as a great defender, not giving you a ton on offense. Anthony Black has good, looked good in a limited role. So I, I just they've they've got a bunch. They're like the opposite po- problem of of the Pistons. I feel like they've got a bunch of guys who have figured out how to play with each other. Um, even though some of them do have like overlapping skills, but like finding an identity, like we're young, we're fast, we're, we're going to play hard on defense, um, really, really commit. And I think it's, it's really stood out. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think they're one of the more pleasant surprises this year. Um, I don't know if they're going to finish one of the top teams in the East as they currently stand. But um, I, I definitely think they're going to be a, a, a play-in team, and they're going to, you know, they can make a run at at making it taking a playoff spot if they keep playing as well as they do. So, what are you, what are your thoughts on the Magic this year, homie? Yeah. No, he doesn't really play. Mhm.
Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, would you have Jamal Mosley in the runner running for coach of the year at at this early juncture in the season? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i would say so i'd say he's one of the early front runners for that um yeah for sure um he's he's done a good job and they're playing hard um yeah they're 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 you know i think making the playoffs would be a huge success for this franchise this season, even if they lose in the first round as a lower, as a higher seed. Um, You know, I, I still think that would be really, really good. I still think they're a team that needs a little bit more shooting, not a little bit, quite a bit more shooting. I have, I have mentioned some potential bulls Levine trades as well to you and deuce, just because I think they're a team where Levine you know, I, I don't know if I want his energy coming into like this good vibes team, but someone like that, right? Like a, a bucket from the from three, um, just a good good three point shooter who's going to stretch the floor, doesn't need the ball in their hands all the time because um, because we know Franz and and Paolo are best with the ball in their hands. So that's what I think they need right now if they want to um, maximize this roster. But they're still young, so they're not in any rush. They're, they don't need to go overpay for Levine. Um, or or a big star yet, I don't think. It's not great, though. Yeah. Mhm.
Né? Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're off to an amazing start. Um, yeah, Gobert looks like he's back to his 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 form uh, defensively, which I think is important for them. Obviously, um, they they just got a lot of good depth and a lot of good two way players um, between Ant. Gobert, um, you got Conley on there, Jaden McDaniels, Kyle Anderson, Keel Alexander Walker, guys like Nas Reed and back backing up. Um, they, they just have a, a top eight that I, I are all guys I think are good NBA players and are not like a liability on one end or the other. Which besides Gobert, Gobert's a liability on offense at times. Um, I I have been really impressed with. Carlos and and taking the role as kind of the secondary scorer um chasing around on the perimeter more chasing force around um on uh out there a little bit more he's embraced that he's playing hard on defense he's shooting 50 40 90 on 22 points a game um so he's he's being very efficient offensively for them while taking a back seat to Ant um which I think is necessary for this team to reach its goal. I think I think most folks at this point in time who pay attention see that if it like Ant's ceiling as as a number 1 guy is much higher than than Towns's was. I used to think he was that guy. I'm not so sure anymore. But I'm I'm happy he's been able to show he's malleable. He can play, you know, he doesn't need to have the ball every possession. He's his shooting stroke is translating. He's he's trying on defense. All of that's a really good sign. Um, so I think what they have, I, it, it works. I don't think they're going to be this good all year. I think like you, I see them as like a three, four, five seed probably um, in the West. But, um, you know, I, I do think it's a very positive development, especially after, you know, last year that, that, that after how bad that season was, that Gobert trade was looking pretty dire. And it was like, they have, they're going to have to move off of, cat they're gonna have to do this and that and and now it seems like they can act you know see this out for a whole season see how you look with these pieces do you feel like you can win a championship um if so great so um yeah i i think they're definitely a pleasant surprise to me and we i think we both just like like the the like the team right like we like the the jerseys we like the the the, the small market uh, we like, you know, that we like, you know, their, their logo and mascot, the wolves. Um, so, you know, I, I would be happy to see them good. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
For sure. Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, your, your pleasant surprise, uh, is the Minnesota Timberwolves. I had the Orlando Magic. Makes sense. Both teams that were, you know, not great last year at the top of their respective conferences or near the top of their respective conferences. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's been a good, it's been a really fun NBA season. There's been, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of competitive teams, I would say. Um, we're seeing some young teams do really cool stuff like, uh, the OKC Thunder, the Orlando Magic, Pacers. Um, we see, uh, some teams that maybe have down years last year looking better. I'm talking about like, um, you know, the Mavericks. Um, I feel like, uh, the, the Hawks look better. The Heat look better, uh, at least regular season wise. So, um, yeah, should be a good, fun rest of the season. I am too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So there's, it's basically kind of how I feel like how baseball used to be almost like, uh, you have like the division winners are the first three and the fourth is a wild card. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the Suns over the Lakers um, with with one caveat, um, with the caveat that Kevin Durant is going to be playing uh, tomorrow, which I'm not positive about. Um, let me let me take a look at his injury status real quick, um, because I do think Phoenix is the better team if they have both Booker and KD. 
Um, they just, with both of those guys, basically since Booker came back, honestly, they've been pretty, pretty on fire. Um, they've gotten good contributions from the role players on the team. Bradley Beal has basically not played at all, but they've gotten good contributions from Gordon, Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Josh Kogi, Drew Eubanks has stepped up and played some good minutes at center. So, um, and, and then, yeah, like Durant and Booker have both been incredible this year. Um, just, you know, scoring almost 30 points a game. Um, you know, basically Booker's been their point guard averaging nine assists a game damn near um, when he's played. Uh, and, um, but let me, yeah, Kevin Durant is leading him in scoring and he's active. So I think if Booker and Durant play, they're going to beat the Lakers. I think they just got that, that's, that scoring punch is too much. Lakers are still trying to figure things out. Uh, Anthony Davis is up and down. LeBron James is playing great uh, again, but definitely playing way too many minutes for a man of his age. I um, mean, having too much pressure on him. They've been better since moving Reeves to the bench. Um, he, he was struggling uh, in the starting unit, but moving him to the bench seems to have worked. Um, I, I think the Lakers have a good team. I mean, I, I, I do think they're good. I just think it, their ceiling depends very much on Anthony Davis and what he's doing. And he's just so inconsistent across the regular season. Um, I, I don't know what I'm going to get from him tomorrow. Um, so I'm picking, I'm picking Suns over the Lakers in this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah, I also leaned Kings for this one just because, yeah, they do look like they're starting to hit their stride. I think they got off to a little bit of a slow start this year, um, but have kind of resumed basically since Fox came back from an injury a few weeks ago. Um, they've been on fire and he has been on fire. He's averaging 30 plus a game on uh, great efficiency. Um, so he has kind of continued the success um, from last season into this season, he's shooting the three ball well. Um, he's passing the ball well. So they they really look like they're rolling. Um, when they got all their guys um, playing, uh, they're they're really tough to uh, stop on offense. Um, and yeah, I don't know. They just play hard. They, I think Mike Brown is one of the better coaches in the league right now, um, just for what he's done with them. Um, they seem to be playing a little better defense. I think they're still very much offense dependent, but maybe less dreadful on the other side of the ball. Um, I really like what I'm seeing from them. The Pelicans, it's been a bit shakier, I think, just because, again, with this team, freaking injuries every year, homie. We've been like talking about this for like three years. Like, is this the year they're going to put it together? This year, and they always lose someone to injury. 
So it started off rocky with um, Trey Murphy missing the beginning of the season, who's who was great for them last year as a rookie. Um, McCollum, as you mentioned, went out with the collapsed lung. I actually think he's now back, homie. Um, I think he recovered from that and is is playing again, but probably a little limited on minutes. Um, Valanchunas has I, has played basically every game, but as you mentioned, Alvarado has not. So Dyson Daniels has been playing a lot of minutes, which I think he's been good. Um, he's a good long. He's more like a wing for them, at least um, you know defensively, um, which is great. Um, so you know they they seem like they're getting it together, but I think at this juncture in the season, Sacramento looks like they have more of an identity, more continuity. And I think their best player right now is better than the Pelicans' best player. I think De'Aaron Fox is right now playing better than Zion. So um, I, I'm going to give it to um, Sacramento on this one. Yeah, he he always misses time. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with the Knicks in this one. Uh, I feel pretty good about them going up against Milwaukee right now. I think Milwaukee is still figuring things out. They've been a pretty big mess defensively. I mean, for a team with Giannis and Brooke Lopez, you know that it has not been pretty defensively. Now they've been awesome offensively uh, with Dame. I just think that the, the the Knicks match up pretty well. Um, Mitchell Robinson, um, you know, can can you know kind of shut down the paint. He's one of the few guys big enough to like actually give Giannis some kind of problems at the rim. Um, I think the Knicks, the Knicks defense, which is very strong this year, um, can maybe contain some of that Dame Lillard Giannis um, action. Um, and I think they're going to be able to score on Milwaukee. I think that I think that um, Brunson is going to absolutely cook Dame and or whatever guard lineup they throw at him. He's going to probably put up huge numbers. Randall uh, will have some trouble if he's going against Giannis all game, but you know he always is able to at least make an impact on the boards, passing the ball. Um, 
and yeah, we'll see how we'll see how RJ plays and all the all the guys like Quick and and Grimes. But I feel good about this Knicks team. I mean, they're basically what I expected. They're they're what I was expecting last year, and I think they have way more of a team identity right now than Milwaukee does. And I also just think like they're more. They're the kind of team with Tibbs as their coach who is going to, I would bet on showing up for like this new in-season tournament game. Like I feel like they're going to play really hard. They're going to really compete. And in a one game against Milwaukee, who's still kind of figuring things out with a lot of new pieces, um, I like their their chances of, of pulling off the upset here.
Yeah, it's worth noting that uh, Porzingis, uh, as you like to say, is uh, out um, with an injured calf uh, for the game tomorrow. So they're going to be without um, what many uh, describe as the greatest starting lineup of all time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Who would have thought Porzingis missing a regular season game? Um, so yeah, they're going to be playing with Al Horford in that spot, which I would, I'm still going to take the Celtics, um, even though they're going to be missing Porzingis just because I think they are a team that will keep pace with Indiana, um, can keep pace with how bad Indiana, how good their offense is, how bad Indiana's defense is. And in the moments that matter at the end of the game, be able to kind of try to shut that down. I mean, I think the best possible person, like best possible solution to Tyrese Halliburton right now is probably, um, is probably Drew Holiday. Um, like he's just a guy who can make any point guard's life a living hell. So I, I'm going to go with the Celtics. I'm going to go with kind of the vet, the, the, the veterans, the top end talent, um, that they have in their, um, in their lineup, um, even without Porzingis, uh, Derek White having another great season, Drew Holiday, um, you know, definitely taking a lesser role with this team than he had with the Bucks, but a role that suits him better as kind of the fourth or fifth even option offensively and being like a defensive guy, um, being kind of more of a distributor and connector on the ball. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just think Boston is is honestly right now the best team in the league, playing like the best team in the league. They look like the best team in the league when healthy on both ends of the court. So um, I'm going to go with them in this game. I don't think it's going to affect them on uh in this preseason tournament game now. Um or or at all frankly, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd also have the Kings. I just like how they're playing right now. I like um, the way they look. It, it's going to be an absolute shootout, all offense, no defense in this one. Um, it will be very fun to watch. But um, yeah, it'll probably be like one of those 144 to 138 games uh, in the end, which is fine um, for this kind of a tournament. Um, yeah, and I just, I just, I like the Kings vibes right now. I like the way Fox is playing. I like the way 
Um, I like the way they're they're playing in the fourth quarter. They're closing out good games. Um, they've come back from some huge deficits and one game. So they just they just um, beat the Nuggets. Obviously Jamal Murray not playing, but the rest of the guys were out there. So they just they just handed the Nuggets a tough loss. Um, so yeah, I just like the way that the that the um, Kings are playing right now. I would I would take them over the Suns as well. I'd take the Celtics in that one as well, just basically for all the reasons I mentioned. I just think they're playing very, very good basketball right now. Um, they're really confident. Um, I think they're they the Knicks. Well, like the Knicks have played them competitive over the last couple of years um, since like the Celtics have been one of the top teams and the Knicks have been more respectable. Like in the Thibodeau era, they've they've played them tough at times. So I think it will be a good game. Um, I just think, yeah. Boston just has more weapons um, on defense. I think if, if Porzingis is healthy and hanging around the three-point line, you're taking Mitchell Robinson out of the paint. That is um, kind of neutralizing the Knicks' best defensive piece, right? That that rim protection that he brings, he's really a deterrent. So, you know, I just think some of that matchup stuff is, is tough. And I think Drew can, you know, give – Jalen Brunson problems. Um, I think Derek White can give Jalen Brunson problems and and force other guys to have to step up. And you know, it might be one of those games where Jul- Julius Randle sinks sinks them or, or wins them for, wins it for him. So um, I, I just think the the Celtics are the better, more well rounded team playing great basketball right now. They've got Tatum, the best player I think in this matchup, plus a more well rounded roster. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I had the Kings and the Celtics matched up in the championship. Um, the one of the most decorated teams in NBA history versus I think the least decorated team in NBA history in the Sacramento Kings. But I'm going to have the Kings take this one. Um, you know, just heart and hustle. I think Mike Brown out coaches um, uh, your guy, um, the mongoose, as as we like to call him. Um, you know. I, I, the Celtics are the more well-rounded team, but I think the Kings right now are really grooving. Um, I think Fox and Sabonis can really give the Celtics problems. Um, I think it's going to be an absolute shootout. Um, I think, I think Tatum or will probably go off and, or, um, you know, Porzingis, but um, it would be a really fun matchup to watch, I think. And it would be like, you know, it, it would be a big moment for, you know, the Kings kind of the least successful franchise to go, to go and take this, you know, first in season tournament, the, the first, the first commissioner's cup from the Boston Celtics. So I've got, I've got the, the Kings winning it all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think these are all going to be good games. You know, one, one thing I was wondering about the in-season tournament, would it be like, would it get kind of randomized where we'd get like one awful team in there just because they happen to win those games. Right. Like, do we get like Detroit, right. Or like whatever, but like we actually legitimate, 
Yeah, like we actually legitimately got good teams. All of them have winning records. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's the list of the best teams. Like the Nuggets aren't there. T-Wolves aren't there. Um, but, you know, you, you the Sixers aren't there. But you do have a lot of – they're all good teams. And they're all, I would say, fun teams, a lot of offense. Um, so I'm really looking forward to watching these games tomorrow and Tuesday. Um, and, and yeah, seeing, seeing where it goes, seeing the first commissioner cup being awarded to the winning team. Um, you know, they can look at it and imagine, uh, David Stern and, you know, all the past commissioners before him. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and give our slime ball of the week. Um, I feel like it's been an especially slimy last like couple weeks in both the NBA and the NFL. Um, so we had a lot of options to choose from here. So, you know, we're, we're awarding, you know, the, the award goes to the, the player who has acted the slimiest in our opinions or the entity, owner, team, whatever it is. So... Um, I feel like we had a, a bounty to choose from here, Matt. It was it was hard to pick just one uh, slime ball, but I, I did. Yeah, I did end up picking one. But um, why don't you go ahead first? Um, I'll, I'll I'll save mine. Build some build some uh, tension here. All right. 
Wow, that's a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I don't know if this one like there are so many obvious ones to be to, to pick from. Um, but I'm kind of going back to the well to an to an old regular uh, here on the slime ball of the week segment. Um, my my slime ball of the week is um, Draymond Green uh, or Draymond as you like to call him um, for choking out uh, Rudy Gobert like WWE style on an NBA court um, for like no reason. It just like it did not he. It went from like a couple guys shoving each other to like a wrestling cage match in five seconds just because of Draymond. He got suspended for five games by the NBA. Showed virtually no remorse for any of this, as he as he typically doesn't do. And that's the thing. Like Draymond is a dirty player. He's one of the dirtiest players in the NBA. He kicks guys in the nuts. He steps on people. He like scratches people. Um, he, he knees people in the ribs. He like flies with his limbs all over the place. Um, but like his, his, his refusal to admit when he's done something wrong or when he's acted out of control is really, uh, the thing that makes him a slime ball. Cause he, he doesn't think he did anything wrong. He's like, this is how I've always played. This is the attitude I've always bring. And he always, and, and the reason I think he's particularly a slime ball in this case is he frames it like he's coming to, he's, he said like when, when asked if he was going to apologize, he's like, no, I'm always going to like come to my teammates defense. Clay Thompson didn't need you coming to his defense. Like, and certainly like choke holding a guy who didn't even see you is not coming to your teammates defense. Um, you're letting your teammates down by getting a five game suspension during a time where the team really needs some stability. The Warriors are not playing very well. Um, and they really need him out there, uh, both on, on offense and defense. And he just took himself out of the running um, by doing that. It was a completely like unnecessary thing. And I'm not even like a Rudy Gobert fan, but like he just didn't do anything to deserve that. And it was kind of funny because like as Draymond's choking him, he's like, what, is, what are you doing? Like, I have no idea why you're acting this aggressively. Um, so yeah, Draymond Green, uh, a normal, a regular on this segment, he is going to be uh, my slime ball of the week. Yeah.
Yeah, he he does. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, he there, there's a lot of other stuff going on in the NBA uh, that, you know, like the, the Miles Bridges stuff that we could have uh, talked about, you know, this stuff that's going on with um, with Josh Giddy. Um, but I don't have a ton of information about that. So that's like a little unclear to me. But there's definitely some other slimy stuff happening. But Draymond just like doing the same shit again. I. I I was surprised he only got five games, like given his history. Um, but yeah, he, he just seems like he's off the handle right now. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the same thing in schools too. Like you, your first suspension, you know, is 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 one length, and then your second one's usually longer, right? Like it's that's just how punishment works. <laughs> um, you know, it's like you know where you're. What's this like? If Rudy Gobert did that to him, they wouldn't. They, I don't think they would have given him five games just because he's usually pretty passive. But um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he just he needs to get it together, um, and and stop. Yeah, stop. It seems like he's just getting bolder. He's seeing, trying to figure out how far he can push it, you know, before before he gets like kicked out of the league or the Warriors like kick him off or something. So yeah. I don't think not yet, um, but if it, if he keeps doing stuff like this at the frequency he is and his play continues to, at least on the offensive side, decline, then I could see them regretting it like later in the year or early next year or something. Yeah, fair.
All right. Um, like you, homie, I'm going to do one that is kind of uh, a hometown focus for me, just like Io is a Chicago native. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, two two guys here. I couldn't pick one of these guys. I, I, I was trying to decide between them, and I just said I'm going to shout out both of them. So the first one is going to be a guy I mentioned earlier in the show, the starting center for the New York Knicks, Mitchell Robinson. Um, one, he's having a great, great season so far. He's played amazing. He's been absolutely awesome on the court. Um, probably haven't, definitely having the best start of any season. Um, and this, if, if this holds, this will be his best season yet. Um, but the reason I'm shouting him out as a homie is, um, Apparently, he his high school coach um, has recently moved in with him in New York City um, or in wherever they live. He probably lives in Westchester, closer to the Knicks practice facility. But um, basically, his high school coach in Louisiana, his wife died recently. And um, uh, basically, Robinson was like, you know, it, can, it would, could be really hard to adjust living alone in Louisiana he said, why don't you come live with me in New York? You can kind of help me out around the house. Um, he said he, you know, the coach said he has, he's done things like, you know, walk the dogs while Robinson's gone. They watch movies together. They talk about hoops. Um, so it's just a really good story. Um, he, he invited his old coach to just like come live with him in his own home. Um, just because the guy had been kind of going through a really tough time in his personal life. Um, so it, it was just a really cool gesture. Um, and he, he was very humble about it. He downplayed it. He was like, yeah, it's the least I could do. You know, he helped me through so many hard times. So Mitchell Robinson is, is a homie for that. And then the other one who's more of a true hometown hero it's got to be my guy, uh, Tommy Cutlets DeVito, um, the the backup quarterback, the third string quarterback, but now currently starting quarterback for the New York Football Giants. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, you know Daniel Jones is out for the year with a neck injury. Tyrod Taylor, who came in to back him up, I believe got a rib injury and is missing significant time. So that that forced Tommy DeVito, who is an undrafted. Uh, rookie quarterback into a starting role the last like three, four games. Um, yeah, his first full start was uh, on uh, Sunday, November 5th. DeVito has had an okay uh, season so far, actually. He's he's thrown uh, 63% completion, um, about 700 yards overall over three games, or excuse me, over four games. Um so not not throwing for huge amounts of yards, but a seven seven touchdowns to three interceptions, um, and he's gotten two wins, which is um, uh, you know the same amount Daniel Jones had gotten before he went out. Actually, one more than Daniel Jones because Tyrod Taylor got one. Uh, so Devito was recently that they announced he was um, going to be signing autographs at a local sandwich shop, which is like the most like New Jersey thing ever. Um, so they were like giving discounts for sandwiches and he was like signing autographs in this local sandwich shop, um, which is, is funny because he's from New Jersey. He lives with his parents, which he says is a 12 minute drive from um, the Giants facility, Meadowlands. So he was like talking about why he still lives with his parents, even though he's like got, you know, at least hundreds of thousands of dollars now. And he was like, I don't have to do anything. Like they, my mom like cooks for me. She cleans, she like makes my bed. She cleans my room. He's like, I don't gotta do anything. Plus I don't even think I could find a place closer to like 
Meadowlands than this place. So he's like, I don't, I don't really see why I should, which I just thought was hilarious. He's like, whatever, I'll, I'll live with my parents in my childhood home uh, after college, uh, even though I'm playing like start currently starting for an NFL football team at quarterback. <laughs> so Tommy DeVito is my other homie of the week. Uh, he's a he's a homie for that one. Uh, New Jersey legend. Uh, Giants fans love him. Uh, you know, uh, I think there are, uh, you know, he'd be one of those guys that if he could stick around on the practice squad, he'd be like a hometown favorite. So, um, yeah, go Tommy Cutlets. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends what kind of relationship. Like, if your old coach was like a hard ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it was Bill Belichick <laughs> living with Tom Brady. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> 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 yeah, so good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great nickname. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, that's going to be it for this uh, this edition of uh, Helmet Hoops and Homies podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for hanging with us through the uh, inconsistent uh, episodes. It's been a busy, busy fall for both Matt and I, but hopefully we can get back to a more consistent recording schedule. And now, especially since we're coming up on football playoffs and uh nba season's really taking taking uh uh taking off right now so um yeah any any final parting words matt All right. Peace out, homies.